0: Hello everyone, I'm Priest Willis and this is Missions and Marketplace Podcast, episode number 36. Today I'm joined by Eric Banholtz. Eric couldn't grow facial hair at his corporate job, so he did the next logical step. He quit and built a business around his beard. Eric is a husband, father, entrepreneur, YouTuber, world traveler, and designer and founder of beard Brand. Eric is what he called an urban beardsman. His vision is fostering a community for the bearded lifestyle that gives men the tools to wear a beard in any environment. Since launching an e-commerce site in January of 2013, Beardbrand has grown from zero to over $120,000 per month built primarily on branding with YouTube, Instagram, and other sites. Eric has appeared on national television show Shark Tank, he's been viewed 4 million times on YouTube, featured in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Business Insider, Fast Company, Forbes, and more. An entrepreneurial individual for 10 years in marketing, sales, and design, Eric is building lasting business relationships that result in fruitful partnerships, which has been the key to their success. I think you're really going to get something from Eric in terms of how to build your business, how to leverage things like YouTube, Instagram, and others, and the steps you should take to be successful in growing your brand. You have to push the naysayers aside. Check out what Eric has to tell you without further Ado, here is my man, Eric Banholtz. Welcome to Missions and Marketplace Podcast. Join us as we talk to business and thought leaders to discuss their passions in and outside of business and how it drives them to give and be citizens of goodwill. Let's get started. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, Priest, how's it going, man? It's going really well. I appreciate you joining me. This is exciting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. Excited to uh, to chat with you. It's going to be a fun show.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of beard talk here, business talk, and beard talk, and other stuff. So this is good. So Eric, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Man, I could ramble on about myself for <laughs> <laughs> for quite some time, but uh, I'll give you like a brief rundown of, of kind of my career. I had a initial start in sales and that ultimately led me to uh, this job as a financial advisor working at a big bank and kind of um, in the corporate lifestyle and I was forced to like conform to the normative look of like the all-american boy the good old boy which of course uh, contains no beard and it really just felt like I was being someone who I wasn't, wasn't being authentic. Mm -hmm. So I quit working there, decided to grow my beard out for as long as I could. And uh, during that journey, I kind of, of course, fell in love with my beard, fell in love with growing the beard and and fell in love with the community, beardsmen out there. And at the time, there's a lot of negative stereotypes around dudes with beards. And I didn't think it was right. I never identified as a biker or a hippie or an outdoorsman, a lumberjack, anything like that. Always consider myself like a business person. And I met this community of people who are like me. And that's when I came up with this idea for Urban Beardsman, which is uh, who I am, kind of like my, my own label. And then Beard Brand as a way to unite urban beardsmen. And ever since then, we've just been focusing on uh, changing the way society views beardsmen and making some kick ass products and uh, spreading the word, man.
0: That's really cool. So let's take a step back because I do want to get into who you are as an individual, because you're more than just a beard and more than just, you know, kind of the products and what you sell on the site. You really have an interesting story here. So I definitely want to dive into it. But just going back to when you were a financial advisor, did you quit solely for the purpose of, because I want to grow this beard? Or was it just that, you know, hey, priest, I was wearing a mask day in and day out. I wasn't myself, both with a beard and just who I wanted to be at every level. Was that ultimately why you quit because you wanted to be an entrepreneur and all these other pieces.
1: Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't like, Hey, you can't grow a beard, Eric. And then I'm like, ah, screw you guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, have always had like an entrepreneurial spirit and, and I actually, when I, I left that job, it was to start up like a marketing company or a graphic design company is ultimately what it ended up becoming. So I, I did start my first, well, I want to say my first business, but another one of my businesses, uh, that that wasn't successful. So yeah, man, you can't take that entrepreneurial drive out of people
0: sometimes. That's very true, especially when you're kind of born with this gift to be able to do it. And I think you have been. The proof is in the pudding. You know, one of the things that you know I read on your Twitter in your bio that it says verbatim is that you're a husband, father, entrepreneur, YouTuber, world traveler, designer, and founder of beer brand, of course. And a lot of times when you read people's bio, they put a lot of stuff in there and they're only half that. You know, the other half is sort of what they want to be. But I think in every aspect, you know, when I read the story about you going on Shark Tank and you and your wife trying to have a child, you know, when I read that title within the Twitter bio there about you being a father, that has to be even more special to you by you being able to say that after you and your wife tried to have a child after so many times, which is one of the most you, I think you've said it in a couple of past interviews. It was one of the most tryingest times that you probably had in your life. Is that fair?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, wish uh, infertility issues uh, upon my worst enemy. It was definitely uh, man, like it's just a dark period in my life. And, and it wasn't like, uh, you know, a month or two months, it was like a good five years long. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a trying experience to try to have a, a child when uh, you know you're having those challenges. But uh, we persevered, and and we've got a little little one with us. She's now three, and she's uh, she's a darling. Wow. I love her to death.
0: That's so awesome. How how do you balance Eric being a husband, a father, an entrepreneur, and all these other things that you are? How do you really find the time to really? Dig into yourself and discover who you are, if that makes sense.
1: Uh, really poorly. <laughs> if I was <laughs> being, being quite honest, I mean, it's uh, as an entrepreneur, like you, you can't turn that off, right? Y- your mind is always thinking about your business, whether you're at work or in the office or at home. Your mind is about how to build the business, and and to a certain degree, you kind of start to feel guilty because you do want to spend your time and energy and, and thoughts and brain power with, of course, your wife and your children and, and your friends and family. But it is hard. It is a balance. I've gotten better as we progress in the business. And I wish I could say I've, I've built this totally automated uh, business like Tim Ferriss does, mm-hmm. uh, where I could just sit around on the beaches all day long and make money. But <laughs> I haven't quite figured that one out. I, I still am grinding and hustling and, and trying to, to do everything. And, and of course, uh, I'm not perfect with my entrepreneurial and, and my business management skills, and and just trying to get better every day, so that uh, maybe one day I will be able to uh, to relax and and um, get my mind out of the business for for a couple hours.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's what's what's cool about you. Uh, just from the things that I followed and listened to, is you really have a genuine entrepreneurial story. You don't have a system. And you're not perfect, but you've built a great business. You've built great content and other things around it, which I think is really cool. How did you come up with the idea or even, you know, what steps did you take to get on Shark Tank? Because that was the first, if I remember correctly, you you either said somewhere, it was written somewhere that you had minimal investment. So I imagine there was an idea for you to get on Shark Tank to be almost like the catalyst for you launching this thing out. What was the idea around it? And what kind of steps did you take to get there?
1: Uh, going back to the early stages of the uh, beard brand and what we were building, uh, today, as I talk about it, it's just completely different market. But back then, uh, we were laughed at all the time when we talked about how we sold beard grooming products and beard oils and mustache waxes. And No one took it serious that we could even have a reasonable business. Why, why buddies, do you think
0: that is? Why, why do you think people would laugh at that, knowing that that was kind of needed Is it just that men grooming was just kind of like, we don't groom, we just work? Is that, I mean, what do you think happened?
1: Well, I I mean, I I don't really know. I think a lot of it has to do with the the fact that men got more comfortable with growing their beards out longer. And then as the beards get longer, uh, it, of course, needs a little bit uh, more help and, and of course, products to to tame the beard and take care of the beard and and, uh, help it feel nice. So... I do think there was this movement, probably in the early, uh, like around 2011, 2012, where a lot of guys really started growing some long beards. I would say we were probably like the first company to really take advantage of of that movement. Yeah, but I mean, like, so much of beard brand was like an extension, or is an extension of of myself and what I went through as a guy, and and what I went through as I was growing my beard out, and and being able to to offer products that I just authentically knew, like this product is great. Like it, it makes my beard feel fantastic. And I literally cannot imagine like going on in my day without putting some product in. And then it's like, uh, there will be a day where I forget it. And it's like, why is my beard feel so terrible?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, you kind of uh, tie together a great product and, and a great story and uh, a great mission and, and people latch on to that. But going back to Shark Tank, I do think what we were doing was really unique. And I, I think it was a story that the world needed to hear. And Shark Tank is a wonderful platform to, to not only be able to tell your story and, and show what you're doing to a national audience, but also, uh, with some luck, be able to connect with some incredible business people who you could learn from and grow from and, and maybe leverage their network and, and leverage their capital. So uh, it's almost a no-brainer when, when you've got a product in a company that's, that's like nothing else else out
0: there were you able to do that when you kind of went on shark tank were you able to even behind the scenes leverage them beyond you know anything contractual
1: yeah i mean they're such busy people i think uh, i sent them all like a thank you and i got a response from mark cuban and and that one email response is about the highlight of of my interactions (laughs) after being on the show so i uh I haven't been able to take advantage of of their network in any way, but I do think there still is, uh, you know, you get the reruns and there's some familiarity with Beard brand and, and what we're doing just from being on that show ongoing.
0: So, Eric, let's take a step back and then bring it to where it's at today. So when you initially started off, it's my understanding that you started off more as kind of a curator of information for those growing beards and doing grooming. And it's obviously turned into a place now where you can buy products. But let's talk about the beginning to today. Is that how you started, just kind of a content portal? And now you're more of an e-tailer, or how was that growth progress?
1: Yeah, man. I got to say, Priest, you've, you've done a good job with your research. <laughs> you probably know more about Beard Brand than I know about Beard Brand. It's what I do, it's what I do. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we started the, the first three properties from Beard Brand were a blog, a Tumblr page, and our YouTube channel. So it was all launched in February of 2012. I just uh, really wrote and frequently posted on Instagram kind of uh, pretty regularly, not on Instagram, on Tumblr, pretty regularly. And then uh, the YouTube channel, I probably only did like I don't know, six videos or 10 videos that first year. So it wasn't like this this heavy-handed, building this empire type of blog. I think I had like 300 subscribers on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. and a couple hundred views. But because I was literally the only person talking about beard care at that time, mm-hmm. I was uh, we were lucky enough to get contacted by a reporter from the New York Times who was doing an article on beards mm-hmm. and uh, quoted me in the article, quoted Beard Brand in the article, and and right before uh, that article went live, we were like, "Oh man, let's throw up a, let's throw up a store, find some products to put <laughs> up there." And we like we scrambled, like we, like over the course of like two days, we we got this um, this store built, and we had like three products on there. Just got a couple of orders in, but it was enough. Those first orders that come in, it's just like a drug, and it just keeps you motivated, it keeps you going. Uh, and we just built off of that, you know, month over month, and just always trying to improve and and
0: get better so is the ultimate goal Eric for you to be acquired or do you plan on you know just evolving as a business adding more products and doing different things from a men's grooming standpoint or where do you ultimately want to go
1: I'm a bit of a control freak and my business partners I think we're we're both uh, control freaks so we've got a pretty simple business model it's in my two co-founders we don't have any investors we don't have any debt or loans and And that really allows us to have the freedom to make our own decisions that we think are going to be ultimately best for our customers in the long run. And we're taking a long run plan uh, with our business model. So that means we've got to grow profitably and invest wisely. Mm -hmm. And the goal is... Ultimately, to have such a well-run machine that that we don't have to be in the day-to-day and uh, it's a profitable business. And and then if someone wants to buy it, they could buy it. But the goal isn't to to build this company to sell. So we're not out there like, you know, rubbing shoulders with investors or VC firms, angel firms that that kind of take you through the A rounds, the B rounds, and then ultimately like IPO or exit through sale. So that's definitely not our strategy at all.
0: You know, one of the things I told you before our conversation here was that so so first of all, you know, just for full transparency, I'm growing a beard. I have been since August. Last year I grew one. It grew like SOS pads because I didn't put anything on it. I wasn't manicuring it in any way. And so I just decided this year because I've seen out in the realm where people kind of took care of their beards a lot better. And I thought, well, there has to be beards and oils and creams and other stuff out there. But I didn't even know where to begin. So I started doing some searches on Google, found Beard Brand, but then ultimately started running into some of your other uh, content-based sites and other sites that you have. You know, so one of the things I wanted to talk about that I thought was really strong that you're doing out there is you're essentially what I consider to be kind of an authority in the beard business. And again, that's based on the great content that you put out there, including videos. Let's talk about not only building the authority within the beard business, but building authority within your niche or business in general. Did you have any plan to do that? Meaning, did you kind of whiteboard something out or did you just clumsily go through the process along the way, like throw up a couple videos, as you mentioned, and created some blogs and it morphed into this? Or what was the strategy behind it?
1: I think the proper answer would be a a little of both. So, Since day one, we've always had this vision of uniting the community of urban beardsmen and changing the way society views guys with beards. Like that's always been our core vision of of what we wanted to do. That's never been wavering or changing. but, But how we do that? has changed you know when i I originally had the vision for beard brand it wasn't actually a grooming company it was like a lifestyle company it was like apparel it was you know shoes belts wallets those type of items Mm -hmm. and what i found is that our audience and our customers really responded to the grooming products so we're like well let's not waste our time you know making 10 bucks on these shirts when we can be making a lot more on the grooming products and then use those profits to help, you know, get a larger voice and, and you know, speak about the challenges that guys have when, when growing their beards out and, and really to how to help them feel confident about rocking their beard and, and how to feel confident uh taking care of their beard.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. You must be doing something right because almost, you know, it looks like 50% of your visitors at least to the website are U.S. based, but then the rest is... You know, the other one is UK and then from there, you're Canada and other places. So, I mean, it's word is traveling about kind of what you're offering. And it sounds like this is a growing trend among men is to be better groomed. And there's not much we can do as men, right? We can either change our face and change a belt and a watch, but that's pretty much all we got. So we might as well do it to the best of our ability.
1: Yeah. And the other great thing about beards is like when you start to lose it up top, (laughs) Uh, then then you just start to grow out the beard. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and it's something like 70% of guys are going to deal with thinning hair or, or lose their hair so it's uh, the beard is definitely like it's your new head hair and and you want to be able to figure out what your beard style is and and how to rock it how to take care of it and it totally makes sense
0: what do you think the biggest misconceptions are about guys having beards because you know i'm in a corporate <clears throat> environment and you know people are just starting you know i hate to use titles and stuff like that but with this new millennial age I'm starting to see a lot more men be comfortable with growing out beards in corporate settings. But before that, and I'm a Gen Xer, why do you think we struggled with the idea of having this beard in a professional atmosphere? Did... Did we just did we look like the bad guy or like we were dirty and we could use some change? What what happened?
1: Uh, I've thought about a lot of this uh, over the time and and some of it's just theory. So it's not totally backed up in science or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But the mid 1800s, you had a a really high percentage of of guys wearing facial hair. I think I ran across a study that 90 as many as 90 percent of men were wearing some type of facial hair in the 1890s. Mm -hmm. And that that could be sideburns, mustache, beard, um, goatee, whatever it is. And then what happened is this small company called Gillette figured out how to do marketing really, really well. And around that time was also the term of clean shaving. So uh, clean shaven isn't a word that's always existed. It's something that's probably been pretty linked to uh, the razor industry. So there's been uh, a lot of marketing, a lot of I don't want to say propaganda, but it's just marketing and informing people that, hey, if you want to look clean, you can't have any kind of facial hair. Mm-hmm. And then that's been tied in with uh, Modern Warfare, which requires gas masks to have a strong seal. And then, of course, having a, a complete shave there is going to help with that. And then just um, uh, kind of tied in with corporate America and like uh, IBM and Big Blue and their dress code requirements and their professional requirements for how you groom yourself. And what's happened is the Internet has broken all that down. The Internet's been the great equalizer, and it's allowed guys to now find other guys like them, connect with them on a a global level, feel part of that community. And then also guys are working from home or they're uh, stay-at-home dads. So they've got more um, or less people telling them what to do who have uh, control over their lives. So they're like, I've got control. I'm going to do what I want it to. <laughs> and if, if guys are given the choice, if they can grow a beard or not grow a beard, a lot of them are going to choose to, to do that because uh, it is great having a beard. You know, it's great not having to shave every day. And, and it's great being able to, to stroke your beard when you're in thought. You know, it's just <laughs> having a beard is a, a great thing.
0: Yeah, I like stroking my beard. I feel like a boss when I sit around and just ponder on, life and all of, you know, what people say, I look like DJ Khaled now that I've, I've grown my beard out a little bit. And, um, that's a scary thought sort of, but, um, (laughs) it is kind of cool having a beard. I must say,
1: you know, uh, you know, the guy on average will stroke his beard seven or touch his beard 720 times a day. Really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's cause now that I'm thinking, maybe I do, maybe I do. I, I mean, I grab it, a lot more, especially towards the goatee part of it. I'm always pulling at the ch- at the chin part. It's interesting that you bring that up. Now I'm going to have like a counter on my Fitbit of beard pulling or something like that. I don't know. You know, I heard you say somewhere, Eric, that it was less about the products, I think, and it's more about men finding their voice and just kind of discovering who they are something along those lines. What did you mean by that? What does that mean like it's less about the products and more about the identity of the man or is that where the urban beardsman, your words, at least is that where that comes from just kind of finding your voice within who you are, beard no beard, suit no suit, is that kind of what you're saying with that?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is it can be tied to my own personal insecurities and my own personal pressures of of having to look a certain way or or having to feel like I need to look at some way and and it may all be in the head, right? Mm -hmm. And and wanting to branch out and just be myself, right? I just want to portray myself as I view how I want to be to the world without the pressures from my boss being like, oh man, you got to dress like this or oh man, you know, that's not appropriate. Like, I just want to be me. And I feel like there's a lot of other guys out there who feel these pressures. Like I remember back in college, the first thing they told me if I wanted to get a job was I had to shave my beard off. I mean, it always went back to that. Like every time I'm out there interviewing for jobs, it's like, do I shave my beard off? And then it's like, if I shave my beard off and I consider myself as a guy who normally wears a beard, then all of a sudden I'm portraying myself as someone who I'm not. So that's really like the struggles. And, and I wanted to help guys become themselves. And and you're right. It, it doesn't matter if it's beard or no beard. It doesn't matter if it's uh, you know formal or informal, it's just like what do you want to be, and how can we do that, and and how can we you know there there have been pressures to shave off beards in the past, but how can we do this in a way where we don't pressure you to grow beard, because if you're doing that, you're doing the exact same thing, so. It's all about supporting a man's right to to be himself, whatever that is.
0: That's really cool. I love the fact that you're so in touch with how men think about whether it's the products that they put in. And Speaking of the products, are these organic products? What are they based in?
1: Our product ethos is to develop products that work with your body's natural chemistry. So We don't want to disguise or mask anything that's going on. So we use natural ingredients or we lean heavily towards natural ingredients Mm -hmm. that will ultimately deliver um, the, the best outcome of bringing the person back to their natural health.
0: I just love kind of your perspective on how you're reaching out to the men and kind of identifying with, again, whether it's the insecurities or just us trying to find our voice. That's why I think that the product speaks more than just the ingredients themselves, but it speaks to the voice of the creators, you and your co-founders and stuff like that. And one thing I wanted to bring up to that point was, you know, I was on your Instagram page and I looked at a recent post that you had put up talking about this afternoon, you sent out an email to subscribers who haven't engaged with the beard brand in a long time. And you showed a screenshot of people that responded back. And this was another thing that, you know, I found really interesting about you as an entrepreneur is that to me, you really have a grassroots approach to how you're building your business. The YouTube piece was one side of it, but you're also very transparent in terms of, hey, I reached out to guys that haven't been engaged. Here's responses that I've gotten back. What does it really mean to you to build an online business beyond just the financial side of it, but really connecting with your customer base?
1: It's easy because I, I love that right I love talking with the community I love talking with our customers I love you know making them happy and, and helping make sure that they're passionate about what we're doing because I'm passionate mm-hmm. about what we're doing and, and almost to a certain degree probably the past year year and a half as we've tried to grow up and and you know of course that's not scalable right I can't I can't answer every single email as we continue to grow mm-hmm. but I need to I need to do it occasionally, you know, because it does energize me and, and it does help me feel connected to to the people we're, we're working for. But yeah, you know, the thing is, I, I take a little bit after my mother. She talks before she thinks. And, and sometimes I just do things without thinking about it. It's just like, <laughs> this is the emotion I have. This is what I'm doing. Like, I'm sure there's been all sorts of things that I've said in, in public that I, I should have kept as like trade secrets and whatnot. But it's just like I like what we're doing, and I want to talk about it, and I want to share it. And I assume no one's interested in it, and no one wants to read it. But I like sharing it. You know, I, I get off on the, on um, just telling the world what
0: what we're doing. So I, I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm selling a widget, and mm-hmm. I don't have that natural gift of connecting with people. Whether they want it or not, what would you, because again, you have a great YouTube audience, you have an Instagram audience that you are instantly talking to, no pun intended. How can I build that? And I'm not like you, I'm not necessarily willing to throw everything out there, but I do want to build this online business. What would be the first one or two things that you would tell me to help me build my business online?
1: I mean, the beauty of business is there is no one roadmap. You can do it in a lot of different ways. And and where I'm good at connecting with people telling our story and, and having that brand vision, I really suck at like the analytical stuff. Mm-hmm. And I suck at doing like PPC and AdWords and landing pages and, you know, just kind of like online hacks that uh, uh, can also be very profitable for, for companies. So it all comes down to like, find what you love, you know, find what really keeps you energized because business is a grind. And if you find that you're, you if I'm not an analytical guy and I'm doing analytical stuff all day long, I want to hate the business. I want to hate coming to work and the business is ultimately going to fail. So like you as an individual, what do you love doing? Do you love just talking to individuals? Do you love cold calling? Do you love uh, doing trade shows? Do you love doing events? Do you love, uh, like getting into the analytics and not being a people person and just like, hey, how do I tweak this tagline versus this tagline and A-B testing? You know, there's so many things within a business that you can find passion in that that you can start to, to use that as your core aspect of, of building your business.
0: That's really good. You know, sometimes knowing who you're not helps you to know who you are and just finding your voice in that is absolutely key. You know I mentioned earlier when we first started the, the interview here that you're a world traveler. How much of you doing traveling has kind of given you a perspective about business and how to work with people and you know the second part to that question is where like some of the best places that you've been.
1: The business perspective is is really interesting. When I started traveling for business I've started to see how other cultures work. And I kind of have a tendency to like poo-poo America and how we do things. But when I get out there, I realize that, man, Americans are really, really good at work. Like we are really good at figuring out things and not being okay with things not working. I I think it's true that that americans have the best it's not just work ethic but it's just like the way they think about work and the way they solve problems i don't think it can be matched by any other any other country that i've been to Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some some great cultures out there and of course they value things differently too like they value their their home time their free time and you know whatever it may be technology but when it comes to uh, my favorite places. Uh, I was really excited. I was able to take my wife and my daughter to Amsterdam, mm. and that was my daughter's uh, first big international trip, and it was a really uh, uh, an awesome experience for me to be able to bring, you know, such a young girl to a, a completely foreign place and and show her and start to show her what the world is like beyond mm. our our friendly uh, confines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got warm places like that Tokyo, uh, just Tokyo, just. It blows my mind. Mm. Uh, That city is amazing.
0: Why is it? Uh, Is it just a lot more progressive than a lot of people might think? Or what's the real cool part about Tokyo?
1: I mean, for me, Tokyo is just so different than America with all the lights and just how many people are there and just how condensed it is and how organized and clean. It's a great place. My third place is probably Valparaiso in Chile. Mm. I think the cool thing about that city, it used to be like a very profitable and wealthy city. And then the Panama Canal was built and it kind of got run down. And so there's like all this graffiti and kind of dilapidated buildings. But it's also it feels very safe and it's it's on the ocean and it's uh, these hills everywhere. And it's just so much character in that city. I would love to to be able to live there for a few years of my life at, at some point.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Look, you've been gracious with your time, which I really appreciate. You have such a great brand and a business that you're building. Again, from a personal standpoint and just a man, obviously, I'm really impressed by what I see that you're building. And you are definitely tapping into a customer that I think has been quieted for a long time. And maybe not quieted necessarily, but just passed over for whatever reason. And I think you absolutely deserve all the success that you're getting. And I wish you much more.
1: Well, thank you for that. It's uh, very kind things to say. I appreciate that a lot.
0: Absolutely. How can um, people reach out to you? How can they find you?
1: You know, I'm the only Eric Van Holtz out there. So if you uh, Google Eric Van Holtz, you're going to find me. Twitter is probably my favorite for uh, responding to messages. Uh, of course, I'm on Instagram, Eric Van Holtz. That's a good way to just kind of see the things that I'm doing or, or for whatever reason, you like looking at selfies of me. That's what I kind of tend to post <laughs> up there. And then uh, of course, Beard Brand is, uh, is my company and uh, Beard Brand has a, a whole bunch of videos and, and links from it as well.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Eric. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Missions and Marketplace. If you have a brand or business that you want to take online, or you're already online and looking for more exposure visit us at affiliatemission.com the premier affiliate marketing and management agency also feel free to get social with us and check our Facebook LinkedIn and Twitter pages and share with us your story on how you're leaving a mark in the world my defense is impregnable and I'm just ferocious